0: roll down tide from the clark ford studio in oxford mississippi this is the beer garden presented by oxford crystal like to hear a little bit more conviction in your take though there was a lot of maybes a lot of what ifs a lot of questions you need to just get on here you need to fire and and put me in a position where i have to tell you that you're wrong and now here's your host neil mccrady nice nice Welcome to another edition of the Beer Garden, presented by the Oxford Crystal. I'm Neil McCready. Uh, today on the show, Neil Stratton rejoins. Last week, we uh, talked to Neil before the NFL Draft. Today, it's uh, post-NFL Draft. Who won? Who lost? Who did well? What were the surprises? And a uh, very fast look ahead to the very front of the 2020 NFL Draft. All of that coming to you on this Beer Garden. And we'll get to it in just a minute. First, let me tell you about the Oxford Crystal Highway 6 West in Oxford just uh, next door to the Oxford Exxon. Uh, You can fill up at the Oxford Exxon and then fill up at Oxford Crystal. Ten crystals for $6 this weekend if you're sitting at home, hanging out, watching uh, NBA playoffs, the Kentucky Derby, whatever the case may be. Ten crystals for $6. Also, the pick five for $5.55. Go in and uh, create your own... uh, Selection, your own meal, five fifty five any five items. Of course, you can add to that, as our uh, friend Jeffrey Wright always does. And there's always the $3 square meal, three crystals, fries, and a drink for $3. Breakfast, the scramble breakfast bowls, uh, fresh cracked eggs. That's all there at the Oxford Crystal, Highway 6 West in Oxford. I'm coming to you from the Clark Ford Studios. Clark Ford's in Amory, Mississippi, 662-257-1900. Call the number, ask for Corey Clark tell Corey what new Ford you're looking for, and then uh, he'll send you a quote within 15 minutes in business hours. It's that simple. It's right to the bottom line. There's no hassle, no haggle, just a great quote on a great Ford, great service after the sale. Uh, Corey wants to be your car guy. He wants to be your truck guy. He'll prove it to you. 662-257-1900. Tell him that you heard about uh, uh, the car Ford on the beer garden. You'll save $500 off your already great bottom line. We're also brought to you by Community Mortgage. It's located in Oxford, Memphis, DeSoto County, and Chattanooga. It's 30 years old this year. One of the oldest mortgage companies in the Southeast. All of the underwriting and the processing is done in Memphis, so you're getting local underwriting that understands your market. It's also the leader in condo financing in the Oxford market. So ask Jason Lowe about Community Mortgage's float down option, which allows you to lock in the current rate But if rates go down before you close, you can get the lower rate. It's J-L-O-W-E at communitymtg.com. Beer Garden is also sponsored by Strategic Partners and Media. SPM is a full-service advertising agency that works with businesses of all types, big or small, Fortune 500 companies to startups. SPM can help your advertising needs for TV, radio, print, and every facet of social and digital media. Look, here's why SPM is really good and different than other ad firms. They handle everything in-house. They don't sub their work out. The writing, the production, and the editing is done solely by their staff and crafted uniquely for their clients. Lastly, an old Miss grad and a Mississippian's a partner in the firm, so get in touch with them and see just how great they are. It's Austin at strategicpartnersmedia.com. Again, Austin at strategicpartnersmedia.com. And we're brought to you by LB's Meat Market. Uh, LB's is uh, located on, uh, in Oxford, 2008, University Avenue. It's right across from Kroger. It was the words I was trying to get out. Right across from Kroger in the shopping center there, 2008, University Avenue, 662-259-2999. open at 10 a.m. every day, get in touch with Greg Jones, give him a call, tell him what you're looking for, they have lunch specials and all that stuff, they also have the freshest cuts in Oxford, uh, creative, uh, creative seasonings, creative dishes, creative sausages, summer sausages, we're getting to that time of year, um, uh, the bone-in ribeye is fantastic, the, uh, Half chickens, the Greek seasoning is my favorite. They have uh, all sorts of seasonings. You can get them plain. It's uh, cuts of meat that you can't get anywhere else in Oxford. Uh, Try the lamb sausage. It's new to the menu. It's fantastic. So get in touch with Greg. Find out what they have. Or just go in and browse. Let him know what you're looking for. Try tip steak. Whatever the case may be, they've got it there at LB's. Again, that number is 662-259-2999. Now, without uh, further ado, we go to the Patterson and Earhart hotline and talk to Neil Stratton of Inside the League. All right, Neil, uh, welcome back into the beer garden. We talked to you last week before the draft. This is the, uh, I guess, the draft autopsy, for, for lack of a better word, recap. Um, I'll just start with the general overall Did anything that happened in the draft in general just blow you away? Hmm.
1: Well, you know, Kyler Murray went number one. I think everyone kind of expected that. Um, I think uh, you know there were a lot of defensive linemen that went high, and I think a lot of people expected that. You could you could kind of uh, argue with the order. Um, of course, but um, that didn't surprise many people. Um, I guess if there was a major surprise, it was that uh, Locke didn't go in the first round. I really expected that to happen. I mean, as we look at the drafts every year, it seems like everyone, there's always an inflation when it comes to quarterbacks. Um, I think most of the players who went in the first round went about where I kind of expect them to go. I mean, there's always there seem to be surprises, especially from twenty to thirty. Um, but I, there wasn't anything that really shook my foundation, Daniel, And uh, maybe you would disagree, but no, I, no. it looked like it went about how I thought it would. About
0: the big shock, I guess. Not only was a shock because there were certainly signs that it was coming. Um, the surprise, I guess, was that the Giants did indeed go with uh, Daniel Jones at number six. Um, yeah. you you were in Mobile. Uh, I know you saw him there. Um, I know you talked to a lot of people around the league. Um, what do you let's 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 forget a minute. We'll get back to this in a minute. What the Giants were doing and what they should have done or could have done or whatever. What do you think of Jones as an NFL prospect? He doesn't
1: excite me. Um, I don't think. Yeah. how many times did we hear I watched the NFL networks broadcast. You might have watched the ESPNs. I would like to know how many times I heard that he didn't play with any players or worth a flip and and they would couch it in different ways and they would talk about it in certain ways and we would get reminded that Duke is uh you know a basketball school and that, that you know he wasn't playing with a, a bunch of studs and this wasn't Alabama he was playing for. I get it, okay. But I still, you know, I, I saw him play some of the All-Star games. I, I mean, I saw him in the Senior Bowl. Um, he wasn't a guy that I ever felt really excited about. Um, now, I'm not an NFL GM. Dave Gellman is. Dave gelman has got a record of success. Uh, you know, he uh, felt full-bloom love uh, for Daniel Jones. We won't know for five years if he was right or if, the uh, the people that were booing him uh, the Giants fans that were booing him were right we don't know uh, what we know is this he really liked Jones and what I'm told is they were convinced the Broncos were going to move up to take him if they didn't take him at 6 he wasn't going to be back he wasn't going to be there if they waited So they had to take him where they took him they probably overdrafted him but if you're sold on a guy and if you feel like Eli is kind on his last legs, and I think most people generally agree that he is, um, you better have somebody, and you better get the guy that, you, that gives you warm fuzzies. And I think for Dave Gettleman, that guy was Daniel Jones. And so, you know, was he wrong? Was he right? We'll, we'll know that more in a few years. I don't think we can fairly ascertain that yet. But um, based on what I've been told about who else is going to take him and where he was going to go,
0: They had to take him when they took him. The Giants clearly believed that someone was going to move up. I'm asking you, Neil Stratton, do you believe, and we'll never know the answer. That's what makes shows like this kind of fun. Do you believe, based on what you've been told, not about what the Giants believe, but about what was actually going to happen, do you believe that another team, whether it was Denver, whether it was Washington, whoever, was either going to trade up to get in position ahead of 17 to take Jones or was going to take Jones before 17.
1: Based on the people that I talked to, yeah, I think I don't think Jones is there at 17. And again,
0: so if you're I've the Giants, big- so if you're the Giants and he's your guy, then and you're willing to risk your your reputation on it and he's your guy, then it's the right pick. And that's what I'm trying to say.
1: There are a lot of ifs in that sentence you just said. And I guess that's part of NFL draft talk, and that's why it's so fun to do. But, yeah, if he's your guy, and if you're convinced that he's not going to be there after six, you have to do it. Your hand is forced. We don't know. I mean, how many times have I said this? We don't know if he's the guy. But if you're convinced he is, and I think you've got to trust your board and trust your instincts and all those things, then yes, you have to take him there.
0: Is he better than Haskins or is Haskins better than him, your opinion? If you, if you, if you, I don't, if you Neil Haskins has to draft one of those two guys, which one are you drafting?
1: <laughs> I wasn't excited about any of the quarterbacks in this draft. You yeah, know, I, I know I mean, you were. I don't think, I think a lot of people weren't particularly excited. I guess if I take only, if I only had those two choices, I guess I take Haskins, but we're talking about two guys that really don't have a record of success beyond one year, and they've got their their you know they've got their bumps and their bruises. They're not perfect. I mean, Andrew Luck wasn't part of this draft class, and if you're convinced you have to take a quarterback, then I guess I don't know. I I guess I I guess I take Haskins, but I I'm not excited about either one, and I'm not excited about Locke. But I think that Locke had been a A player for longer, maybe, and and sometimes that makes a a kid less sexy. If he's been a starter for a while and everyone's kind of got a little bit of fatigue on him, they want to take the guy with upside, the guy that kind of burst on the scene. And I think Jones and Haskins, to to, to some degree, are those guys. And that's why Jones was taken. Or maybe that was part of the reason why Jones was taken. Maybe it's part of the reason why the Redskins liked Haskins. Um, I don't I'm not in love with either one of them, and and let me let me let me add that I'm not in love with Locke or with many of the quarterbacks in this draft. Again, if you're gonna if you feel like you've got to take a quarterback and you feel like this is your guy, then you got to do it. It's just I know that's not such an endorsement, but um, no, that it's needs to be the re-
0: yeah, no, it's fair. And then the, you throw in the the Josh Rosen presence in the, in the I mean, he he basically was in the draft again. Um, yeah he was. miami gets him yeah, for a second round pick it begs the question if you're um if you're the giants could you should you have made that move did so i'll, I'll ask it this way did did miami uh, kind of steal a quarterback in, in in trading for rosen i think it's possible
1: um i heard a lot of analysis that said that rosen's the best quarterback in this draft i don't that's kind of a loaded question i mean he would be the best quarterback obviously for Arizona's offense for what they're going to try to do. Um, I think if you are the Cardinals, you have got to be elated that you got a second rounder after you drafted Kyler Murray. I mean, they did so much to create fog of war going into the draft about who they were going to take. And then they waited until after Murray's picks. I didn't I never dreamed they'd get more than a fourth rounder for him. I I mean, and that's not because I'm down on Rosen, but he didn't set the world on fire last year. He's, he was not the first quarterback taken last year. Um, He's not the quarterback for the 21st century and where NFL offenses are going right now. Um, There are a lot, he has a lot of warts, but um, I guess, I don't know. I, I don't think the Dolphins – I think the Dolphins could have gone cheaper because they kind of had the Cardinals over a barrel. But with that said, I think they had to come out of this draft with a quarterback if Flores is going to have a chance to have any success this year. And so I guess I would say that they did well. I don't think they did great, but I think they did well. I think the Cardinals are who have to be super excited because they got a second-rounder for a guy. And everyone, everyone in the draft did they had to trade Rose.
0: You know, everyone talks about the Giants at six with Jones. The pick that sort of surprised me the most, more than Jones, was uh, Cleveland Farrell going number four to Oakland. Yet I get it. I really do. I get it on a lot of levels. Um, you know, military kid, was a leader at Clemson. Um, everyone loves him off the field. he was been very productive on it. But there were certainly – more talented defensive lineman than Farrell. So Oakland kind of takes this risk by, by it's like the baseball team that, that, that gets the free agent and they say, Man, I'm gonna tell you this guy's a great locker room guy. He <laughs> really holds a locker room together and if it works, inevitably you You know, like the Cubs. I'll give a Cubs example. The Cubs won in 2016. They went out in the offseason, and they got John Lackey, and they got uh, Jason Hayward, and they got Ben Zobrist, and they were all, in different ways, great clubhouse guys. And at the end of the season, when they win the World Series, they talk about Jason Hayward's leadership, and they talk about Zobrist emerging as this guy that could kind of bond to the locker room, and John Lackey's this sort of a bulldog sort of guy that holds everybody accountable. And when you win, everybody goes, oh, man, what a brilliance. And then the next year when they don't win, people are like, man, Hayward sucks. I mean, he's he's hitting two fifty, So that's where I'm getting with Farrell. Obviously, if he ends up being this rock on their defensive line and they end up being a playoff team and maybe one day competing for a Super Bowl in the next five, six years, whatnot, it's a genius pick. But if he just ends up being a solid player and the Raiders don't take a step and other defensive linemen that could have been drafted – At number four, which is basically, you know, it's most of the defensive linemen other than Bosa and and Williams, it it ends up looking like a bad pick. Right. Right.
1: Well, let me start off by saying if you can figure out what's in John Gruden's head, you're way ahead of me. (laughs) Um, He's done a lot of things that don't make much sense to me. He's done a lot of things that don't make much sense to a lot of people that I talk to semi regularly. So I don't know. I mean, he made some head-scratching selections last year. Um, you know, they much has been made of the fact that they sent their scouts home. That's not really that big of a deal. I think at that point they're, their board was completed and they kind of knew what direction they wanted to go. And a lot of teams have already got their scouts working on uh, 2020 anyway. So that's not as big of a deal. But with that said, I don't – I think Farrell's available at the end of the first round. Um you know, I realize they took Jacobs, and, and that's big for them. Um, but I don't – I think Barrel was a reach. Now, if he turned out to be a difference-making player and he's a solid guy and in the locker room he, and he does all those things, then who cares? You've got a, a great player at four. But I think the draft is all about taking guys where you think you can get them. Uh, we just now talked about Daniel Jones, and they – Kind of had to maybe reach for him because of the way things were working out, and it looked like that's where they had not taken him if they really wanted to get him. I guess Farrell is their guy, but I, it just in in a draft that is unlike quarterbacks, so heavy with defensive linemen. I think that they could have waited to take Farrell, or perhaps if they hadn't gotten Farrell, maybe he goes somewhere in the in the middle of the, of the draft. There are other players that are also impact guys that they can take. That is probably one of my big, big surprises. The other surprise, I think, I'm not a Rashawn Gary fan. Um, I think that I really would like to see more production. It makes me nervous when a guy has his own brand and his, you know, his own logo, and he's not a guy that's a 10-sack-a-year you know, 10, 10 guy in college. He he wasn't a, a classic impact guy. Um I, I I like the I guess what I'll say is I like the Farrell pick a lot more than I like the Gary pick by the Packers at twelve.
0: Yeah, I don't like Gary at all. He, he no, makes me nervous. He does nothing for me. Good for him. I mean, good for him. He's going to get yeah. going to get the money. Get, so good for him. I just he he, oh, yeah. he, he does okay. nothing. He does nothing for me at all. Especially when a pick later, they could have had Christian Wilkins, who does a lot for me.
1: There's so many. There are so many defensive linemen in this draft. That check all the boxes and were highly productive. Why do you take a guy that that wasn't? I mean, I don't know. I mean, I guess they're swinging for the fences, and 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 Gary's the Boomer Bust guy. He could, if he puts it all together, wow. But man, what if he doesn't? And these are the. This is how these are these are how um, busts are made by doing this. I just don't. I don't want to take a risk like that if if I am the Packers,
0: but. We'll see what happens. Were you surprised at all with how quickly uh, Jeffrey Simmons went off the board, the defensive lineman from Mississippi State? He had the video from right after high school that was ugly, really ugly. And then he tears an ACL, so it's questionable whether he'll be able to play this year or not. Uh, He is an elite talent. I've seen him dominate uh, a game. I've watched him dominate the line of scrimmage. He's a great player. Were you surprised that he went as high as he did? You know, it's
1: interesting. (coughs) Excuse me. The – video never became an issue, you know, uh, and, and if he hadn't blown, if he hadn't blown the knee, he's probably a top 10 guy, even with a video. Yeah. Um, he, uh, I wasn't surprised because everyone seemed excited about him. Um, and in, in, in January and February, it continued, um, you know, he got hurt. Obviously that was a major setback for him, but the excitement days and I think Simmons just he's a football player and you know coming out of a major conference and you know, he was productive I, again I, I don't i wasn't privy to the interview process obviously um, now we do provide information uh, uh, interview prep uh, and we tried to get in there and they declined that that's fine I don't know if they used any services um, i i think that this is a case where Mississippi State really went to bat for him. He came across well with teams. I wouldn't say it's a surprise that he went in the first round, notwithstanding the fact that he you know, had the major injury. I think he comes back from that, and uh, and I haven't had a chance to do the homework. I don't know exactly what his prognosis is or when he's scheduled to come. I mean, is he a guy they can put on the pup list, or is he probably an immediate injury reserve guy? Do you know?
0: I think he's a guy that can put on the pup list, potentially. I mean, you know, they've got these – these ace, You know, he's an elite athlete. He, he's going to heal a little differently than you and I are. Um, but, right. you know, if, if it's back by October, which is a possibility I've read, back by October and you think he can play, you put him on the pup list, he misses five weeks. Big deal. Yeah. Yeah. Well,
1: <clears throat> excuse me. Another thing, you know, it's not like – I mean, defensive tackle is a – somewhat instinctive position It's not like a quarterback where he's got to learn the whole playbook it's to some degree okay you line up here and go go get the guy so i think that's another factor in the fact that they felt like they could get some return on him this year and definitely have return on him next year and he is does seem to be an elite talent so i think that's a good selection
0: all right you're there in houston um a lot of people didn't see this coming. Uh, Titus Howard, the uh, offensive lineman from Alabama State, which is not the same as Alabama or Auburn, the competition that they play, nothing like that. Uh, he goes number one, uh, 23 overall, first round to the Texans. Uh, obviously, when you take a guy like that, you're expecting him to step right in and, and, and play one of those tackle spots. What's What's been the reaction in, in Houston?
1: Questions. Um, and I think, Rightly so, and um, you know I'm not trying to throw the Texans on the bus, but wow, um, Howard is. You know, again, this is kind of a swing for the fences kind of thing. It's kind of a boomer bust thing. I, I think that uh, he could be something, but I think there's still work to be done. And as you alluded to, you're drafting starters in the first round, especially when you have had as much trouble on the offensive line as the Texans have had. Um, it's they could have gone a lot safer and I think maybe it would have been smart to go a little safer. Uh, maybe a, a McGarry, you know. Um, obviously everyone is surprised by Jawan Taylor's slide. Um, to pass up two guys from major conferences like that to take a guy from Alabama State a converted tight end. Um, I know it's sexy that he's a play quarterback in high school or whatever, but I don't know. Uh, that's That was... That's a risk. That, is, that was one that kind of had me scratching my head. I think other people kind of uh, thought the same way. And, and I don't st- I still don't have a firm answer on why Taylor split. Um, there were some references to a knee issue. Um, there were some references to maybe he rubbed people the wrong way at the combine. Uh, I'm still kind of working on that. I don't know what the answer is there. But um, that was really surprising. Really surprising. All
0: right. Um, I started with the Giants. I'll, I'll go back to the Giants real quick before I get to some of the old Miss guys that I want to ask you about. Just kind of your thoughts real quick, and we're not going to keep you super long. I promise. Uh, the, sure. the The Giants get up uh, back into the first round for a third time. They get DeAndre Baker, the the corner from Georgia, who uh, who I liked a lot in college. I mean, he he won the Thorpe Award. Uh, he he's got He's got shutdown skills. He's got a confident guy. I mean, he's he's got everything kind of you'd want in an NFL corner. Um, between Dexter Lawrence and DeAndre Baker, does it does it make the first round for the Giants a little more palatable?
1: You know, they had to do some some special things given the fact they traded OBJ. And uh, anytime you get those. You know that that bounty of picks you got to try to make them uh, work, and you got to try to, uh, you know, I guess kind of galvanize the fan base. Maybe they didn't do that, but I think they got some good players. Um, they've got you know players from major programs. I'm kind of big on that. I, again, I mean, everyone's listening. I'm sure is kind of picked up on the fact that I'm looking for for production. I'm looking for guys that I don't have to project they're going to uh, succeed that they've succeeded in college. You alluded to uh, Baker's resume. Lawrence has been a uh, a masher for the for Clemson for a long time. I I think it's a good haul in the first round. I think you know they didn't um, take any major risks outside of Jones. Obviously, um, I think that they've got some guys that will be instant starters for them that will help them. Um, I think it was a good first round and, and overall a pretty good uh, draft for the Giants.
0: Why did D.K. Metcalf fall as much as he did? You said last week on the podcast you thought A.J. Brown would go before D.K. Metcalf. He did. You indicated you did not think D.K. Metcalf would go in the first round in all likelihood. He did not. Um, yet he was invited to Nashville. He was there. He had to endure a, a very long wait. Uh, it obviously it was emotional for him. If you heard the call between the, the the Seahawks and him when they drafted him, there was a lot of emotion about, you know, what took you so long. Him very emotional at that moment. Why did uh, why did Metcalf stay on the board as long as he did? And then now that he's taken, what kind of a fit is it for him in Seattle?
1: Well, as we know now, uh, it looks like Seattle's going to lose its top wide receiver, Doug Baldwin. And they had to load up on receivers. And I'm sure they're excited to see him slide to where he slid. Um, Seattle has always been on the – on the, on, the, on the continuum of teams that love metrics and analytics versus teams that are strictly old school, throw out the math. They just want ballers. Seattle has always been on the high side as far as analytics and what have you. Um, as we all know, uh, Metcalf blew up the 40 time. He looks great. You know, he took his shirt off from the interview. Um, and so did, uh, Carol. I thought that was really funny. Um, Will he be a success there? I think the the Seattle is hoping he will be. Um, I don't know. I think it was a situation where they felt like we've got to take this guy. He could be so much, and he's worth the risk. I don't know if he's the kind of guy, you know, Russell Wilson scrambling in the pocket and guys are cutting off their routes and coming back to the ball and, and that kind of thing. Is he that guy? Not right now. Maybe he will be. Um, you know, you bet on guys that had that kind of size and strength and speed. Will they be successful? I don't know if it will be. I, I'm inclined to say no. I don't. I. He played in a top conference, and he didn't ever really light it up. That's why Brown went ahead of him. And um, I wasn't surprised to see him fall to where he was. Third round wouldn't have surprised me either, based on the scouts that I spoke to, Uh, over the last month and a half Um, now he's in a great situation I think Seattle will be patient with him I think they'll they will mold the offense to the degree they can to make him part of it but uh, I've been on the fence on this guy for a long time so uh, if he does if it doesn't happen for him despite everything that he's got and that he offers athletically I won't be really surprised
0: uh, A.J. Brown goes to Tennessee, second round, kind of about what kind of people sort of expected. I think for him as the draft got there on yeah. on, on Thursday. My initial thoughts, as someone who gets stuck watching the Titans a lot, um, you know, I I never buy the NFL Sunday ticket because I have so much work to do on Sunday that it seems like it's a waste of money to some degree. Um, right. And 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 so I probably will get it this year for a reason that I'll explain to you in a minute. But. I get stuck watching the Titans a lot because we're in the Titans market. And uh, from the amount that I've seen, and I'm no football expert, but I think A.J. fits that offense pretty well.
1: Yeah, well, I think that A.J. is a much, obviously a much more polished receiver. He's not a workout warrior as much, but he's a guy that can catch the football and he can get open and he can be a valuable part of your offense. And I think he... and and Mariota, uh, the number of games that Mariota stays healthy will really develop a chemistry, and and, and I think that he can be a real player. I, I like Brown. I like the fact he's been productive. I like the fact that, I, like the fact that he, I really feel like he's a football player, and he and he loves football, and has been successful at it. And I think he, his skills translate. I think he will be. I think he'll be a year one factor for um, for the Titans.
0: Greg Little goes uh, second round early. Goes actually before either receiver to uh, to Carolina. Um, I like Little. I've told you this. I know you do too. I I, th- I think he's going to surprise people now that the draft is over and we're through analyzing just how much people love football. Blah blah blah. I, I think he can handle. I think he can play. Um, obviously, the Panthers are going to run a better offense than uh, the one that Phil Longo ran at Ole Miss. Um, he made sense to me. I I think he's going to be a, a really good player and a factor in the in the NFC South. As a
1: Saints fan, I hate that pick because uh, they have you know, the Panthers have never been able to protect Cam consistently, and um, I I think he's a great player. I think I think he made made a lot of sense for the Texans. Um, I think uh, I think there's a little bit, and, and I've alluded to this earlier. A little over analysis, a little bit of fatigue on Little. I think a lot of teams fell so much in love with him that kind of got tired of him because he wasn't the next, the uh, the cool thing anymore. But I think Little could is going to be an NFL starter for a long time and an elite player. Great pick. And then,
0: and then Dawson Knox goes third round to Buffalo. We talked about him a little bit. Um, you know, he's going to have to do some some uh, a lot of special teams. I think he'll excel in that. He's a very good athlete. Um, you know more about the the Bills' offense probably than I do. I, I didn't watch the Bills much last season at all. I couldn't tell you much about what they did or tried to do or didn't do. Um, how does he fit as a kind of an H-back, tight end, slot guy, fullback? Kind of, you know, he's 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 not going to line up as a traditional tight end and, and, and bash people. But nobody does that anymore anyway. He's, but he can get in the slot and be a real mismatch problem because of his athleticism. How does he fit in Buffalo?
1: Yeah, he's a move tight end, and, and I'm not an I know I'm not an expert on the Bills' offense either. But I know they've got a new quarterback, and typically, quarterbacks look to their tight ends when they're in trouble. They they they're kind of a security blanket thing. Um, you know, Knox is. You're right. He's probably going to be a slot. They're going to probably split him out some. He's probably not going to be your classic in line tight end. But he's got those skills, and and he's, there's a learning curve there. So you know what will happen i don't know i i don't expect the bill to be especially good this year so hopefully there's not a lot of pressure on him they're not expecting him to go out there and really blow it up and he can kind of grow into the position i i think that uh, he is now he is a guy that really tests well and as you as you said is a great athlete I, I i like his prospects up there if they're willing to be patient and give him a little bit of time um you know he's He's kind of looking. He could be kind of a Jimmy Graham kind of guy. Again, I'm not trying to say he's going to be Jimmy Graham, but he's got those kind of tools. I think he's going to be put in that kind of position. I don't think that their offense is going to be certainly as efficient and uh, you know high-impact as what the Saints do, but I think Knox could be a guy that he's one to watch as you know as we go forward, as we go this year, and maybe next year is when he really kind of starts to, to bear fruit.
0: Last couple of things. the The Patriots went last in the first round. It was uh, it, when they went big receiver. It was, they didn't take AJ Brown. They didn't take DK Metcalf. They took Nikhil Harry from uh, from Arizona State, who's kind of a big kind of kid too. He's six two, about two thirty, runs pretty well, physical guy. Um, as soon as it happened, I sort of thought, "Yeah, there's Belichick again with another sort of a steal." No one really saw that one coming. What do you think of Harry? I, I've I've heard other people say since then that this was probably one of those picks that a lot of other people around the league are going to be kicking themselves for later.
1: Well, maybe um, if you look at <laughs> if you look at Belichick's record for drafting wide receivers, then you're probably pretty down on this selection. I mean,
0: because it hasn't been good. Yeah,
1: Yeah, he's missed often. He's missed a lot more than he's he's hit. That's for sure. Um, here's a dirty secret of the NFL. The Patriots aren't very good at the draft. They don't draft players well. They're outstanding on the pro side. They're outstanding in knitting together a team. They're outstanding. Obviously, they've got an outstanding quarterback, um, but there's a lot more misses than hits when it comes to the draft. I, I think that Harry's got a great chance to succeed, but I'm not in love with him. I mean, there have been some fawning takes on Harry, it seems like, just because the Patriots took him. I'm not in that crowd. I mean, He's got to prove it to me. I, I think he could be a, a, a very nice player. But I don't think he's like automatically a, uh, in the rookie of the year race. Um, he's got to show me a little bit more and show me that he's going to connect with Brady, show me that he can pick up their offense, show me that he's willing to block and do all the little things. Um, maybe he will. But I'm not necessarily in the Nikhil Harry camp right off the bat.
0: Okay, last two things. Uh, One, I'm asking uh, for the benefit of my son, who over the course of the last year has – his dad sort of uh, jokingly said he was going to become a Bears fan because I needed a team that would make the NFL more fun to follow, and I sort of adopted the Bears. Carson didn't sort of adopt the Bears. He fully adopted the Bears after his dad sort of adopted the Bears, and uh, he has his Trubisky jersey. He he has his – yeah, he's he's got a, a Khalil Mack jersey. He's he's kind of locked in what? with the Bears. He he was he was uh, in tears, in fact, when uh, the the kicker Miss Parkey, missed the field goal uh, that would have beaten the Eagles. Uh, Carson had convinced himself that, that himself that the uh, the Bears were headed to the Super Bowl. Um, he uh, he he followed the Bears draft to a degree. Uh, he had notifications on his phone. I will tell you that uh, he is very excited about um, Kareth White. He's convinced himself that the seventh-round pick uh, that they acquired from the Eagles is going to – from Florida Atlantic is going to be a superstar. He uh, he is excited about um, um, Duke Shelley, the defensive back from Kansas State, likes his name, just thinks thinks he's going to be a pick. Uh, he, he knows his dad – really likes Riley Ridley. I I watched him at Georgia, obviously, a fourth-round pick, and I'm going to be honest, I'm not a football genius, but I'm shocked that Riley Ridley fell to the fourth round. I think he's got a chance to be a really good NFL player. And he heard a lot of people talk about David Montgomery as this kind of a fit for what what the Bears try to do, what – Um, what Ryan Nagy, uh, Matt Nagy, I mean, tries to do with, with his offense, the, the running back from Iowa state, they, they didn't have a first round pick. They, they basically took Khalil Mack with the first round pick. That was a a good pick. Um, probably make that trade day in and day out. How did you feel about the rest of the bears draft?
1: Well, here's what I'll say about Montgomery. Um, we tracked all the mock drafts or at least we picked seven, um, draft services and we track them we i, I won't list all, all of them for you uh, but we try to kind of get a sampling of everyone with different philosophies one of them we track is pro football focus last year they were the first ones to get on the baker mayfield bandwagon and they got on early and said this is the best player in the draft and i think even as recently as like one week out when everyone was still saying well what are the browns going to do pro football Focus "Where they're going They're going to take Mayfield, and they should take Mayfield, and whatever. And the rest is history. He had an outstanding first year. Um, I don't know exactly where they had him, but Pro Football Focus had David Montgomery as a first-round pick, Um, somewhere I think in the late first round. Now, am I all in on analytics? No. Am I all in on Pro Football Focus? No. But I'll give them credit for sticking to their guns last year, and they've done some things since that where they really started. I think they had seven or eight players that they thought were going to go first round this year, that none of the other six services even had in the first round at all. I really admire that. And they've kind of won me over to some degree. So I think that is a check in the box for David Montgomery. I think that he is a pretty good player. He, they obviously had a need there after trading Jordan Howard. Um, I like where they're going with that. I'm with you on Ridley. I was really surprised he didn't go – On Friday,
0: I really like him, uh, man. I really like him. Someone could have taken him in the second round, and I would not have even blinked an eye.
1: I don't think anyone would have, Neil. I I think everyone was kind of thinking, you know. I mean, he's a player that, again, he's not – he didn't blow it up. It wasn't pinball numbers, that's why. But um, I think he's got a lot of upside, and I think he's shown that he's a player, and I think fourth round is incredible for him. Um, you know, I don't know Shelly especially well, but having you can never have too many corners in the league these years. Um, and speaking of corners, Denmark is an interesting guy. I mean, really big, really, you know, uh, kind of a workout kind of guy. In the seventh round where teams are basically treating sixth and seventh round picks as lottery picks, why not uh, yeah. try this if nothing else, he'll look great running down the field on special teams. Yeah uh you know i mean and if it and if he comes together and becomes a guy wow you've really got something especially that late
0: yeah i like their i I mean we i joke about it and and chase barham who i I do the daily podcast with picks on me because i I just picked the team and then they happen to trade for khalil mack and then boom they're 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 a playoff team uh that wins the nfc north but i do like the way they run their organization and i Considering they didn't have a first or second round pick, I really like their draft. So, All right, last thing. Brian, Go ahead.
1: Brian Pate really impresses me. Everyone was killing him last year after the Trubisky deal, and he's gotten into the playoffs a lot more quickly than I think almost anyone. I've really become a fan of his.
0: Yeah, and I know Trubisky's not all that and a, you know, a bag of chips, but I kind of like him. He does some things, and and if there's there's a couple of little parts of his game that that have to come together. But, sure. But if they do, I mean, if he does increase his accuracy, for example, and I'm not saying he's got to become Drew Brees, but if he becomes just a little more accurate, um, he's he's inter- he, he makes plays, and I don't know. I, I like them. I, I think they're fascinating. Yeah. They're an interesting team. I think. I think it's going to be a reach for them to get to the Super Bowl this year, but I wouldn't count them out as a contender.
1: No, no, they're in, this, they're in the conversation. No question about
0: it. Okay, so the, the teams that aren't in the conversation are going to have to debate, last thing, they're going to have to debate whether it's worth it to tank for Tua. So here's my question, the Alabama quarterback, Tua Tagovailoa, is he, is he a bona fide number one guy a year out, or are there questions that you have about his game?
1: I think that if he does this year what he did last year notwithstanding the national championship game yeah, he's a lock. he's, he's a lock number one overall I don't, again, I don't think he is luck but I do think he is the, the quarterback for the new era for what teams are trying to do for, you know, looking for accuracy they're looking for athleticism you don't have to be six six and and look great in, in the pocket anymore. You got to be mobile and you know have good arm strength, but especially be accurate. Um, I think there is an awful lot to like about him, and my gosh, it's going to be a long time till the draft next year. But I think if I were betting, man, I would put my money onto uh, being number one next
0: year. Great stuff as always, my friend. I really appreciate the time. I know you're busy. I uh, hope to talk to you again really soon.
1: honor too, man. it's always fun. Hey, what, this is a beer garden show? When do I get beer i still, i mean how many shows have I done I mean do I have to do I have to do twelve to get a 12 pack or I mean I tell you what the next somebody
0: the next time we're in the same uh the next time we're in the same place at the same time the beers are on me beer garden or not <laughs> How about that? Well,
1: that's much more. If I know that you're paying for them, that's far more satisfying yeah. to me. So that's the deal, Neil.
0: Yeah, I will. I will absolutely pay for them. All right. Thanks again for your time, buddy. Talk to you soon. All right, brother. Bye bye bye. All right. Thanks again to Neil for his time today on the Beer Garden. We'll be back next week with another edition of the Beer Garden presented by Oxford Crystal. Working on a number of things, a couple of sports related things, one uh, human interest related thing that I think you'll really enjoy. It's coming to you soon. I'm not sure it's next week. We'll find out, and when we uh, when we do, I'll I'll, uh, I'll tease it and let you know. So, uh, thanks again to Neil Stratton. Thanks to all of you for joining. Thanks to the Oxford Crystal for making this podcast possible. Until next week, take care.